0: joining us on our february voyage here on monthly voyage where we it's a podcast about pro wrestling noah um i'm one of your hosts nikki and i'm here with my other hosts nello nello's here all right so <laughs> there's been a lot happening this month in noah but uh the first thing first thing you know we want to just like check in like what we've been doing uh the past couple of weeks so um uh, the f- first things first. I need to apologize to the audience, um, Antonello. I was wrong last month when I said that the tiger suplex from the ramp to the floor spot was from Masawa versus Kawada. I was wrong. I was totally wrong. That was Masawa Kobashi. So uh, just need to up front. I got that shit wrong. <laughs> And this is the beautiful story about how I discovered that I got that shit wrong. So, uh, last weekend, uh, the weekend of, uh, February 19th, uh, two of my best friends got married. Um, the singer and guitarist of my band, Nightwitch, shout out Rosie and John. It was like the most beautiful wedding ever. Um, but before, before the wedding, you know, we, we had to like leave our Airbnb the day before at, uh at you know like 10 a.m or whatever and then we uh just like went to the hotel we had a couple rooms early but we couldn't get to the venue till 2 p.m so i have every single five and five plus star match up until um brian and hangman (laughs) uh on my computer i have all of them on my laptop so we were like hanging out like a couple of us were hanging out at the in the hotel room and um i just like put on i put on like a match um, oh, I put on Cody versus Dustin first, and me, me and my buddy who we were in the hotel room. Like, we watched Cody versus Dustin. Um, it was fucking awesome. Like, what a what a cool way to start like AEW, pretty much with that match. But after that, we had so much fucking time. Um, and the groom to be walked into the hotel room to hang out because he didn't have access to his room yet, and also the bride was like starting to get ready, so he wanted to like be away from her. So he comes to our room. And I was like, oh, this is, the, this is time. I put on March 1st, 2003, Misawa, Ko- Misawa vs. Kobashi from Pro Wrestling NOAH. And uh, we just, like, gathered around my laptop and we watched it. And um, John had never seen any Japanese wrestling before. Um, he's never seen a Misawa match. He's never seen a Kobashi match. Uh, he's never seen anything from Noah before. And he was just like losing his fucking mind the whole match. It was so
1: cool. So to, what, like, sort of, huh? what sort of wrestling are they familiar with?
0: Yeah, so John, um so John recently, very recently got into wrestling through AEW and G C W. Those are like the two that he watches. Um, like we all we all have like a group chat and we, we watch Dynamite and Rampage together every week. Like he they live in Philly now. Um, But we have like a bunch of us that are all from Tallahassee that I think I think I'm the only one left in Tallahassee in the in the in the chat. But we all met here and I was into wrestling before everybody else. Well, that's not like completely true, but it's like mostly true. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it wasn't really until like right before Rosie and John moved uh, to Philly that they like started to get into AEW and then they started getting to GCW. It all started really when we were on tour in 2019 and we had a day off in Memphis, and we, like, we, like, went and hung out with our friends who had a show that night, or that, like, afternoon, because they, like, play the little kids, they're called Cuckoo Kangaroo, they literally, like, elementary school teachers, like, play their music videos in the classrooms, and so we went, we went, saw that show, and then, like, we went to dinner with them, and, um, on the way to dinner, um, in the car, I was on Twitter, and I saw Kaiju Clutch tweet that there was a deathmatch tournament happening in Memphis that night, and so I like DM'd him and what? found out where found out where it was. And once we got to the uh, the restaurant for dinner, I was like, "Peace, y'all. Um, this wrestling show is two miles away. I'm just gonna hop in an Uber and go over to it." And so I did. And then everyone in the band got FOMO like immediately because I'm like sending them photos and stuff. And so when they finished dinner, they uh, they all went over to the deathmatch tournament. And uh I was like uh, it was like in a back it was like at a bar, but it was in the parking lot of the bar. So I was like, y'all, just walk around back, don't have to pay, just come watch the main event, because that's all that was left was the main event. And so they uh and so they get there and we get to see uh Matt Tremont versus John Wayne Murdoch in an electrified wow. electrified um 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 light uh light two match. And wow. like every like everyone had like so much fucking fun so much violence they had like fucking like skewers and like it was fucking awesome it was so cool and uh they like rosie and john like started to be like huh i think i, I think i get it a little bit more because like you know it's completely different watching it in television and going to oh, a shit. show Dude. okay all right so yeah so you know seeing wrestling live is a completely different experience from watching it on tv um you you i feel like you know that's when you start to really truly understand like you're part of the show when you're there by being an audience member um and you get to like really see like how they you know they're not when you go to an indie show like that they're not working to the hard cam they're not working to they're not trying to find the red light they're just trying to entertain the people that are around there so i feel like you know when you go to an indie show um you are able to connect with the art in a more personal way than when you're just watching on yeah. television especially if you like don't get it or whatever
1: yeah no i mean um real quick i wanted to say electrified light tubes are you know the worst they those did things so, it, cut, it, you know. they look so bad they didn't even do it electric- yeah i mean they, well, they, they, well, they, roughly, they, they said it was electrified
0: but what they did was they there were only like four of them that were electrified I put air quotes, everybody. And um, what they did was they just had like a flashlight that was taped
1: to the end of
0: uh, it. So it looked like it lit. Okay. Yeah.
1: Word. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. like, when those things are hot, they cut you like butter. Those yeah. are, those are gnarly. I remember I think it was Vite got a really nasty like King of the Death match a couple years ago. Um, but no, those are cool. Yeah. I mean, independent wrestling, you know, it's, it's like punk, you know, live punk, hardcore, yep. you know, both of us having grown up in that scene too. Um, when you go to see a movie, when you go to see The Strokes, Julian Casablancas, you know, Captain America's not at the merch stand afterwards, <laughs> you know, willing to make small chat with you and, you know, kick it at a Denny's or some shit. So um, it really is, I think it's that, you know, for me, it's really about accessibility in terms of, Not is it easy to get to the venue, but, you know, do I feel like part of this experience? Right. Like is this an event where it feels like this is a community or this is just like something that I am simply a paying customer to attend, you know, and you can become so much more passionate when it when it's uh, above that line. I don't know. I'm tired. I've had a long week. I've been doing contract work for this company. I had to sign an NDA but it's been really really exciting. Hell so yeah. um keep your fingers crossed cuz maybe next month I can make a cool announcement but Hell we'll yeah. see but uh we'll see. Uh, also
0: you've been you've been playing a lot of uh Pokemon too.
1: So much Arceus. I literally <laughs> just set down my Switch. I think I have like 232 out of 238 completed Pokédex entries. So Hell yeah. Yeah, I took work off this past week just for like mental health. I wound up playing Pokemon like eight hours a day. That rocks. That's good. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, so yeah, so um
0: so yeah, this was uh John's first time watching Japanese wrestling, first time watching a Misawa match, first time watching a Kobachi match. Um, didn't even really know who either of them were. And just got so he got so caught up in just the brutality of it all the uh, tenacity of it, all, like, when, you know, you know how those matches are, especially by 0-3, you know, they're hitting big moves but they're kicking out of them because, you know, they lost to that move last time they wrestled, so now they gotta kick out of it because now you gotta do even more damage. That match, uh Kobashi bur- uh, does a burning hammer to win, and, uh, Yeah, just, like, the look on on my buddy's face, um, the first time he ever saw his first Burning Hammer, just, like, on his wedding day, I thought that was just, like, so beautiful um, that, like, we were able to carve out that, like, 40 minutes or whatever and just, like, sit down and watch this, like, you know, beautiful, like, all-time great, amazing wrestling match um, on, like, the most important day of his life, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I mean, yeah, seeing your first burning hammer is a hell of an experience. It really is like, oh my God, it's my first lightsaber. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. The world will never be the same yeah,
0: now. Yeah, he was just like, <laughs> he fell right on his head? Yeah. Yeah, be like, yeah, he died six years later because of that. But, <laughs> you know, you suffer for art. And professional wrestling is art as suffering. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. So yeah, so that's um, you know, that's what I've I've been up to uh the last week or so. Like how about I know we kind of we kind of briefly went over it, but like did you did you catch
1: any graphs during your week off work? Um yeah, oh my goodness. I mean just let's see here. So let me pull up my rating spreadsheet. I can go through uh like uh bullet bullet round, speed round. Let's see here. Yeah, watched all the NOAA, uh, DDT Ultimate Tag League. Um, I would say it was pretty disappointing this year. Uh, matchups were fine, but it's one of those tournaments where, you know, even when you watch like a World Tag League, like the shows seem to be centered around the tournament itself. And this one just kind of felt like something that was happening at the time that didn't really have any real relevance. I'm excited for the finals, though. Uh, Takeshita and Yuki Ueno versus Junakiyama, Tetsuya Endo, and the newly formed Burning, so that should be exciting. I watched the GCW Texas shows. Um, Let's see, what else here? Did you catch
0: the LA shows this weekend?
1: Yeah, no, not yet, but I did catch the Atlantic City shows last week. Um, I thought that, which one was it? Um, don't tell me what to do. I thought that was probably one of the better GCW shows I've ever seen. Um, Like the opening trio of, or just the opening back-to-back of Jordan Oliver versus Alec Price and ASF versus Drago Kid were just really, really good, I thought. Um, And then you had uh, Hate Club versus The Rejects, which was really fun. Um, Hoodfoot versus Matt Tremont was incredible. Oh my God, Cole Radrick versus Oren Veit and Cole Radrick's first ever death match. Um, Like the only other person, like the only other people that come to mind when I think of like, okay, who's someone that's had one death match? And typically, I mean, it's going to be like, it's Alex Cologne because I feel like last summer or 2020, he was kind of doing like special event death matches. You know, he did one against Nash Carter, of msk from nxt where you know nash carter does like a fucking it's like a phoenix splash from the top rope to the outside through like multiple panes of glass and a barbed wire door and it's like what and then he also uh, then jimmy lloyd versus elena black now known as cora jade and she did the like the top rope pile driver through a flaming glass pane Mm. And then they have Cole Radrick going like twenty minutes with fucking Orrin Vite doing like spots straight up, like a BJW scaffold match with like a giga ladder. Can't believe you forgot um, and two, like, what, two.
0: Can't believe you forgot two important ones from last year. Matt Cardona, Matt Cardona versus Mike oh, yeah. Gage. which also um, Rosie and John were at that GCW show, so they like got oh, wow. they like got into wrestling and then like fucking saw. Uh, Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage in Atlantic City. Like, outrageous shit. Um, and then also Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho last year.
1: Oh, yeah. That, like, Chris Jericho, Nick Gage was fun. Like, it's it will always be such a landmark match to me simply for getting light tubes on TV. But it's one of those ones where when I went back and watched it like a year or like a month later, I was like, all right. I was definitely like, stoned and feeling it when I was watching this. But I was like, it feels great. Like, when he grabs the light tube, I'll never forget that feeling. I was like, wow. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I... As much as I am, like, a deathmatch purist, I think when you're able to get those special event ones, like a one-off, I'm all for it if you can get it, like, you know, with someone good. Um, not Darren re- McCarthy. The better the wrestler... W
0: is in a regular match the better they are at death match wrestling when they ultimately do it.
1: Yeah. No, totally because the best death matches are wrestling matches with glass, exactly. not weapon matches with deathplay. Um I also watched Oh, That's why, like, All I Japan.
0: He's like a piece of shit, but like Hanma. Hanma like when he went to N- New Japan was like, "Oh, this guy just like knows how to wrestle great, <laughs> even though he spent his whole career doing death matches before that." Yeah. And it's like, well, that's why his death matches were really good, because he knew how to work.
1: (laughs) I always... I need to watch, like, more early Big Japan, because I've only seen, like, a couple Matsunaga matches. Um, But I've never seen a Hanma death match, and I I really need to. Like, I've seen a lot of Big Japan from, like, the late 2000s, like, 2006 to 10, like, Kobayashi, Ito, Ishikawa, Miyamoto, Sasaki, um like oh man what is it yuko miyamoto versus takashi sasaki the scaffold match from 2007 is like you know that shit like five and a half stars if you haven't seen it i'll send (laughs) it yeah, yeah, yeah i'll watch that remarkable um the only big thing in terms of wrestling that i watched was um all japan's uh fifth day of their excite series really really good show um All Japan is, you know, there's a really great uh, monthly podcast, much like our own, now uh, centered on All Japan by the wonderful people at Kickout 2.99, so check that out. We will link Um, it in the show notes. Oh, link it in the show notes. And um, it's so good. Um, But, you know, they only have about 10 people on the roster, and something I wanted to talk about later on, but it is, you know, the influence of the wrestle one on the landscape of professional wrestling right now um because i think that ever since i listened to Kickout's episode with smiley on wrestle one you know i never realized how many people from wrestle one are in essentially every promotion except for new japan pretty much like you know great risen out of the ashes of wrestle one all japan you have koji doi kuma arashi um you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Hokuto Omori, um, Yusuke Kadama, Shitaro Ashino, right? In Noah, you have Manabu Soya, you have, um, oh my god, who else? Shoot, Daiki Inaba, like, lots and lots of people, and I think anywhere else, you know, all Japan now, it's gotten to a point where you're having feuds, where it's like Runaway Suplex, Suwama and Ashino, versus Total Eclipse, Doi Inarashi, or Koji Doi. You know, those are essentially just Wrestle 1 feuds. And I think it's really cool to be able to see these, you know, it's like NXT and WWE people, you know, when they come from the independents and go to there, and now they go to AEW. It's like, oh my God, you're going to see these stories get retold in new places. And in Japanese wrestling, you know, as someone that has only been watching it in terms of, you know, the entire landscape outside of just New Japan for maybe three years now. I'm like, wow, it's really cool to already be seeing these stories happen. Um, so the show, I thought, was really great. Shigehiro Iri um, versus Asami Kodaka, first for the Geora TV Championship. Uh, great match, gave it three and a three-quarters stars. Hikaru Sato defeated Shugi for the junior heavyweight title. Another good match, gave it three and a half. Runaway Suplex versus Totally Eclipse for the tag titles. Great match, and then somehow... The best match on this show was Kento Miyahara versus Abdullah Kobayashi. And this was, like, not only was it really well wrestled with the constraints that they obviously had, but if you needed a match to be, like, show me character work, this is it. Like, these guys do the most with the least. And, like, you know, what's great about Abby is that he's, like, death match Tanahashi, right? Where no matter what, he can get a great match. If he's just throwing light tubes at you for 10 minutes, that's going to be a great match. If he's just hitting you with a fork, great match. But in this one, you know, Kento is so good at selling and making his opponents look good. And he is like, you know, hot take, but I think Kento has better matches than Tanahashi sometimes in terms of like the big ones, simply because when Tanahashi does, you know, every little thing counts Sometimes I think Kento does the same thing, but makes it more interesting, in my opinion. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, I'm going on such a weird fucking tangent now. <laughs> I'm, like, for sure going to lose my train of thought because I'm stoned. But, <laughs> um, like, Kento made Abby look so fucking good. Abby hit Kento with a forearm, and it looks like a Suzuki shotgun <laughs> strike, right? And, like... Abby's, like, doing, like, this, like, you know, running at half a mile per hour, and then he hits him with a Shining Wizard, but it looks like a gunshot on both men's parts. Like, they're able to meet in the middle so well on so many different elements. It's fucking funny. It was intense. Kento hits Abby with, like, concussion-inducing Germans, like, just right on the head, you know, for a, a match. Big man. <laughs> Yes. And that's what I'm saying is that Abby, you know, being a deathmatch guy, he's willing to do these insane bumps, you know, just like, you know, anyone else pretty much. But, you know, he he's really like, fuck it, on my head, let's go. Um, and, you know, this, I don't, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this Abdullah Kobayashi triple crown feud, but in December, he started this with Jake Lee. And then that was supposed to be your big early January match. Jake gets out, you know, injured. Then they have to re- uh, crown a new Triple Crown champion. Then they have to restart the Abbey feud. So it's kind of like, okay, now the Triple Crown pattern has been in a three-month holding pattern with Abdullah Kobayashi. Can we fucking move on? And... Yeah, this isn't a time where super crazy became all japan champion for one week so <laughs> it was like looking very dire and this was the best outcome that you could have hoped for so th- that's pretty much it um in terms of life stuff celebrated celebrated three years sober yesterday and, um, California yeah, sober. congratulations but thank you hey, you know there's really I mean, no
0: medical yeah. is me- it's medicine in Florida so if you prescribe yeah. it it's not
1: it's not uh... a <laughs> <laughs> you still sobriety, right? No, I mean a hundred percent. And it's uh to you know, I think when I look at the group of people that I know who are sober, it ranges from the people who smoke weed to the people who do absolutely nothing to the people who go through three jewel pods a day, to the people who still stay up all night drinking Red Bull, and it's like, you know what? <laughs> there is no fixed definition to sobriety it is about harm reduction i think more than anything yeah and you know finding fulfillment in safer safer places so but yeah that was cool you know my partner awesome. staff congratulations is, thank you so much she made me my a dutch baby pancake my favorite the breakfast surprised me i texted her at 2 a.m so i was going to sleep later oh, i'm in the living room she's in bed and then she'll wake up at three in the middle of the night usually so you know i text her Dutch baby pancake for breakfast, question mark.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, I wake up, I have
1: no memory of sending this text. There's a Dutch baby. I'm like, oh, my God, wow, how'd you know? And she's like, you texted me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Co- I know you're in Florida, but COVID restrictions are just now getting lifted in Seattle. Okay. Like, no more indoor mask stuff. No more. Ha- I don't think you've ever had covid covid uh, vaccine restrictions in terms of like you can't come into a restaurant unless you have a covid vaccine card
0: no it's actually illegal in the state of florida to um like it's illegal to have a rule in your establishment that people have to be
1: vaccinated to go in wow yeah it's you know it's really weird to (laughs) you know i mean going off current like current events i mean this um anti-trans legislation in Texas and you know to live in Seattle and then obviously these things are everywhere but it's so strange to be like this is where i live you know and i'm cuz like seattle is such a fucking bubble too because when you think of washington you think of seattle no one's thinking of chehalis no one's yeah. thinking of law no one's thinking of even olympia even though it's the fucking capital I love but it's it, like I love it once that. you leave like, metropolitan Seattle, it's, like, everything is, like, Texas. Florida. <laughs> and it's just fucking, it's frightening, and it's tragic, and, mm-hmm. uh, damn. Yo, my my friend,
0: uh, my, like, very, very close friend just got arrested, uh, at the, uh, Florida, um, House of Representatives, um, for, for, uh, falsifying a name, uh, while, um, while, um, uh, witnessing the, um, anti-abortion bill being passed, um, and they, like, it was a political hit job because, I mean, this is my opinion, it's my opinion that it was a political hit job because they, uh, they worked for Planned Parenthood and I think that the state was, like, trying to arrest them that day and just, like, found a reason to, you know? But, uh, it's crazy that, like, that's just, like, happening to people I know. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> anyway um so that's what's been going on uh with us and in the world of wrestling
1: whoa <laughs> weird fucking, yeah yeah um, protect
0: your friends checking on your friends yeah checking on your friends um abortion should be free and on demand I don't care about like any 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 like caveat it should be free and on demand whenever the person needs it um anyway that's uh yeah that's what we've been doing. Uh, for the month of February and um, we're gonna check in in a couple seconds with uh, what happened in Pro Wrestling. No, this month, spoiler alert, so much, so many things happened. <laughs> per wrestling Noah in the month of February. There was so much, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we're going to start. Yeah. I think we're going to start with, um, go Shiazaki's GHC, a road to the GHC heavyweight championship challenge. Um, three of the four matches in that challenge happened this month. Um, they were in order, um, against Masato Tanaka against, uh, now Fuji and against, Kano. um, do you want? To, do you want to talk about like each match individually? Do you want to talk
1: about like how you felt about the whole challenge? Yeah, I mean, let let's go through it. I, I was gonna say um, uh last month I believe our episode was titled like "Initial Voyage" or something like that. Yeah. And this month, you know, we went through the step forward uh, series of shows, and I think a great title for this this month's episode would be "Step Forward." And then back <laughs> because <laughs> yeah um, yeah. Uh, but in you many know. many senses, um, in many senses, uh, like you know, there were many steps forward in Noah this month. I think that really was the theme. Um, Goes challenges to step forward and you know begin a new chapter in his career in pursuit of the GHC championship. Step Forward um, is the namesake for this month's tour. Um, Step Forward in the sense of the technological steps that they take during this trio of shows. Um, The 4K HD cameras, which I am still wanting to know the actual technical specs. I cannot find any information on what the actual cameras themselves are. So if you know, please tweet at us um, the information. And then, you know, a lot of steps back. Uh, Go losing all of his fights, Fujita becoming champion, um, the constant roster sh- uh, faction shakeups in the junior division, step forward, step back, step forward, step back. So, um, you know, in terms of analysis, that's, that's uh, I feel like, the overarching theme of the month. So Step Forward playing, played well. And the fact that, as we'll talk about later, um, the backstage drama surrounding Fujita's title win, the fact that that show is called Game Control also uh-huh. feels real interesting. Pretty, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the Sabres like we're gonna call it Nakajima wins, and Fujita's like, no, it's Game Control. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of these matches, um, sokiura we talked about last month, yeah, it great was Tanaka. Awesome. Tanaka was a battle. Marafuji was another amazing battle. Just some of the most hellish chops you could ever imagine um i think my favorite out of the bunch though was keno like these two guys have magic together and um which isn't to say the others don't but just this match to me felt like that kaito Shizaki match Mm -hmm. and i think it's you know maybe something about that You know, Nakajima, like, anytime Shiyazaki faces Nakajima, Keno, or Kiyomiya, like, I think there is that magic. And that is interchangeable with any of those four pillars of Noah currently. Um, But, you know, with the Tanaka match, um, I watch Tanaka in so many goddamn promotions now. (laughs) And he is always so, so good. And I will say, I gave all of these matches four and a half stars. Keno, 4.75. But some of these big Tanaka matches are starting to have a bit of a ceiling for me um, just because it's like you see so much, you see so much. Yes, it's so great, but it's like there are those five stars like his Fujita bout from December was remarkable. I feel like I'm just defending myself. I don't know. I love these matches. What did, you, what did you think? Yeah, so all right, I caught the t- Tanaka match live because I, uh,
0: I go into work at 6 a.m. Eastern. So sometimes I'm able to catch like the semi-main and main live, um, like, right when I get out on work, right when I start working, honestly, it's not, like, my favorite, I don't really like watching wrestling on my phone, but it is, like, kind of cool to do it, so I caught, I caught the Go To Tanaka match live, um, which I don't, I don't, I, because of that, I don't really exactly remember any moments or spots, I just really remember enjoying the match a lot, um, and I think that, like, a winning formula in any Go Shiozaki match is just put him against someone that has a signature strike and then just let them like trade strikes, trade strikes forever. Have a couple like suplex spots, trade strikes forever and then like go home. And it's going to be a cool match because like Go's chops are the best chops in wrestling. Sorry, Gunter. They are. And like, like Tanaka has amazing um, forearm shots Marfuji has great kicks. Kano also has great kicks. Um yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Um the the Tanaka match. Um the Marfuji match, I loved it's it's weird. Um I think that the Marfuji match was the best match of the four. I think it had the weakest finish of the four. And that kind of like it was like I was like really bought into the Marfuji match like Huge, uh, up until the flash pin at the end. I'm just like, that's how it ends. Really, after all this, um, like just like seeing from the first chop that Marufuji gives Goshiyazaki I guess that's what that this match was all about was the chop battle. Marufuji's chops versus versus Goshiyazaki's chops. Whereas the yeah. Kanoh match, the Kuno match was about the kicks. So, Marufuji, from the first chop Marufuji gives Go you see the outline of the welt form, the very first one. And as the match goes on, you know, Go's chest is just raw. It looked like he was going to start bleeding. It reminded me of um, Chris Benoit (laughs) chopping through, I think it was, Booker T's shirt where he was like chopping the person so hard their shirt was tearing off their body. Um that's what Marufuji Fuji chopping Go Shizaki reminded me of. <laughs> I thought that like he was just gonna start bleeding out of his
1: chest at a certain point. Um and then Yeah, the- <laughs> I think um or- yeah no no you can- No just uh Go's body throughout this mm-hmm. weekend um, it told a story. It did a hundred percent. It was all about um, his shoulders. His shoulder, his chest. and then just the way that his, yeah, the, you know, the colorization of his chest over time through the three days, like showing up in Keno. But with each match, he bought that he brought that same level, if not more, resilience with each fight. You know, the more he lost, the more resilient he became. Yes. And, yes. you know, going back to when Kenta Kobashi first began his career, you know, he lost. He lost. 200 matches or yes. something insane yes. like that before ever winning. And it almost feels as though now, you know, Shizaki was able to break free of his past and now he is leaving this Misawa and entering into, like, this Kobashi. I don't know, there's just right. so much it's going true. on.
0: It's true. It, like, when you go back, I like, I mean, I've only been watching shizaki for two months now, right? But like the very first thing that I said, um, in the first episode when we were talking about his match with, um, Nakajima was that he was just while he while his music is reminiscent of Masawa, while his gear is a Masawa tribute, he was doing Kobashi spots the whole match, and he's continuing all his spot like his big spots are Kobashi spots, his the neck chops, the moon salt the lariats like he he's kobashi and i mean that in like the best like most complimentary way possible
1: yeah and you know having kobashi around so often still is always um you know having him look on as go fights um it's always been interesting as it feels like go keeps alive misawa's spirit while still fighting with Kobashi's fire. Yeah. In that sense. Because no, like Go will always be Kobashi's protege, but for some reason it almost feels like he's still Masawa's son. I don't know. It's a very interesting um dichotomy, those two. It's like um, that one brand new album, The Devil and God, are raging inside of me. <laughs> Masawa and Kobashi are raging inside of me. Um but yeah, and it's you know with each match, um, I saw an online criticism saying you know each match sort of the same, all this stuff. But it really didn't feel like that to no. me. Um, watching three big matches like this back to back to back, the only other time you're gonna get something like that is a G One, yeah. right? And even then, you're not gonna get the same performer three days in a row. Right, exactly. Um, the closest you'll get is you know G One Finals, Wrestle Kingdom or um, like a death match tournament, single night. That's the only time you're going to get three absolutely ridiculous matches back-to-back-to-back to back to back in such a small time frame. And to be able to tell such dramatically different stories with each one, like, you know, um, first thing, Go loses to the outsider, then he loses to the old guard, and then he loses to the new guard. And it's like he really fails to defeat any element of noah's roster like he loses to each aspect of his company and um he's really left with not a lot and it's going to be interesting to see where he goes now because the course always felt like it was going to lead back to Mm nakajima but now i think that there's a lot more potential for other things that you know we'll talk about that later but did you have anything else to say about this uh, trio of go matches?
0: Yeah, so I I I, I love the Kano match. <laughs> like, I wrote I I took like, a little bit of notes for the Kano match. and I'm just gonna read them because it's like not much. I wrote that I could watch them kick and chop each other all day long. Uh, the PFS to the apron was outrageous, um, and I love that it was a decisive victory for Kano. Like, go just like finally succumbing to like all like all the matches he had in a row and Kano just like hitting the PFS and just pinning him um like decisively as opposed to like the flash pin in the Marfuji match. Um I liked that I, I think that they have tremendous chemistry, um, Go and Kano. and like I could I, I think that they I think that they should like have like three more singles matches this year. Um just so that I could watch them. And uh, I like the story of Go pushing himself just like too hard to, like, tr- like, just try and get at least one victory out of this. And, you know, falling short, Um, I think I said last month that I hope that Go lost all the matches in the challenge. And I'm glad he did, because I think that's, like, the, where the money is. I think the money's in, in Go. Like, I don't think he's hit rock bottom yet. I think Go has, more, to, like, more to lose coming up before he, like, really starts um, ascending again. Um, maybe that's just like wishful thinking with like, <laughs> like after maybe like, I don't understand like the booking patterns of Noah or whatever, and I'm just like projecting like the story that I wish that they're telling. But that's how it feels to me right now.
1: Yeah. Um. Again, like I said, uh, you figured that this would eventually lead to go rechallenging for the GHC title against Takajima, um, because we had their first match in two thousand. Twenty, um, right? Then their second, yeah, in twenty twenty two, and it felt like maybe we could get their third at the end of this year, or even at the Budokan in August. But all of the reveals that the plan was never to climax Shiazaki versus Nakajima, but rather Fujita. Um. um <laughs> But rather Fujita versus Muto, it's like, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) And yeah. I that'll become a recurring theme later as well. The what the fuck are we (laughs) doing?
0: The the, the, what the fuck of it
1: all? (laughs) But for now, it's I guess we'll just talk about this now since you know Shiozaki is the topic of conversation. But his next big singles match, you know, for the rest of the month, he pretty much just fought in tags. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, there weren't really any real. He won, yeah. he won some of it. I think
0: he won all the tags, if I if I remember correctly.
1: And again, if we want to, you know, I do not believe that there is ever such a thing as too much analysis. There isn't anything such as overreaching, right? Because it's like the reason that we have cheese is because someone fucking overreached. The reason that we have, you know, what? Uh, we've traveled to space is because someone overreached, right? It's like analyze everything as deep as possible. Get as weird as you can. He won two of the three, two of the
0: three matches since
1: he yeah, to Kano. And so let's say you know maybe the reason that Go is winning in these t- uh, tag matches as opposed to singles is that he needs to come to the realization that he needs a teammate again, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you know maybe this could lead to a Axis reunion now that Nakajima has lost to Fujita, kind of like you know Ooh. Go and. Go and, Go and Nakajima versus Muto and Fujita, which sounds like, why the fuck are you doing this? And not them versus Kiyomiya and Keno, or, you know, whatever, vice versa. But I digress. Um, now we know that Go's next big singles match will be on the March 12th show, if I'm not mistaken, against Wrestle 1's Manabu Soya, part of Congo. Um And I wrote in our notes, Soya? Question mark? And... Nikki wrote, you sent that to me in a text message, L-O-L. What I was saying is, like, if they continue this trend of Shiozaki's losses, this is massive for Manabu Soya. I don't think he has had a win, it, you know, that magnitude thus far in his pro-wrestling Noah career. So, for me, I'm like, you know, if Shiozaki loses, is this a push for Soya hmm. to maybe... Because let's say... Now I'm fantasy booking out my ass, but, (laughs) you know, let's say that Nakajima and Go now reunite as Axis for the um, GHC Tag Title Tournament, right? Because if you needed a perfect position for these two guys who have just been completely and wrongly taken out of the GHC Title Program at this pick point, because it should have been that they were the Kenny and the Okada of the next two years in the GHC right. title program, you know, not people over 50. And we'll talk about that as well, but you know, you could propel Soya up to that next level. Now they, you know, Congo has that legend in Masakatsu Funaki. They have that, um, you know, the leader in Keno, their junior, um, with Ohara, fuck Ohara, and neo there's you know there's a lot of people there still but if they're going to lose nakajima they need that big second really impactful star and you can make that in imanabusoye you know give him the push that you gave to masa kademia last year before you completely just killed his push in every sense and um yeah that could be cool but I, I think that you know out of all of the singles matches this far once go lost the first match to Segura. You know, if it wasn't evident before, it became painfully evident now then that he is going to lose all these matches. But this one I'm most excited for because I really don't know if he will win. And when he's fighting someone like Manobu Soya, who you really assume that he will win, like, you know, I think that this will be a really clear indicator of where Go is going next. You know, we know where he's headed, but this will really show which road he takes at the fork. Um, and. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I'm um, you know, you just talked me into being like insanely excited for this match, <laughs> which I didn't even realize was happening. So,
1: uh yeah. stoked for that. Um and yeah, you were Yeah, considering... now I have been um I was going to say real quick just like I've been going back and trying to start watching Wrestle One. So, to now know people like Mana Busoya, uh, a little bit more Daiki Inaba, you know, it's a lot more exciting to see them wrestle. I don't think that Inaba has quite hit the level that he was at in Wrestle One, but Soya's had good matches, and I think that he still really shows that he has a lot of potential. and I, I'm hoping that this could potentially be the match that really propels Man- Manabu Soya to that next level in Noah that he deserves to be at.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I'm. You know, you know, I've really only been watching like, um, like the the heavyweight main events. Um, haven't really been delving into any undercard yet. But you know, and we'll talk about this later. But this March show looks like I'm interested in like a lot of the matches on it. So um, now I'm even more excited to see this manabusoya Go match when it happens. Um, yeah. So like you when you were when you were talking about this, um, you were you mentioned like you know Funaki is in Congo now. There were other faction shakeups. Do you want to go over some of that?
1: Yeah. Do you have a, a list of them?
0: I don't. I don't. <laughs>
1: Oh no worries. <laughs> I thought you might. I, thought yeah, I mean, right. no. Um, off the top of my head, I think been I have so much right. Well, I mean, it's weird to think like you know, just Nakajima versus Shiozaki already feels like an entire year ago. Um, even Go versus those three feels like a year ago, and I'm like, I can't believe all this happens in a month. Yeah. You know, Funaki versus Keno happened at the very end of January, right? Yeah, the very end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. Thank God that didn't happen this month, or like my entire sense of time was just (laughs) completely fucked. Yeah. So let's see here. Funaki joined Congo. Yeah. Um, I believe all of the faction shakeups happened within the junior division. Um, The first thing we had was Yohei defecting from Los Perros del Mal to Team Noah, which you know finally are you know it's not just Momo No Station and fucking three other people. It's Team Noah, the main unit. So I like that. Um, you know, I hate how New Japan, their factions, it's like Tanahashi's Team Noah, but there's not really a team. It's just like, we're good. But it seems like they've actually branded themselves as Team Noah. So I like that it seems to be a legitimate faction. So Yohei leaves Peros. Um, and then he teams with Atsushi Kotoge. Um, we'll talk about them winning the tag titles against um stinger hayata and yu yu uh yu susumu and i know stinger is the only faction that did not have any stable changes so congrats to them somehow hayata and <laughs> still get still get along yeah the <laughs> one faction with like real big beef besides how and neo stays together um and then you had so so much in my head this junior division's just like that fucking meme of like the guy whose eyes are going crazy and there's all the <laughs> equations going over it. Um, so, Yohei leaves Peros for Noah. Um, Aleja leaves Congo yeah. for Noah. And Intensive. then Hajime Ohara, yeah, to Alejandro. And then, Hajime Ohara leaves, um, Noah for Congo. So, yeah. And, um, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a very... Los Perros is definitely the weirder faction now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, just because it's like... It's like... It's Tommy uh, Hidaka, Katara Suzuki, Super Crazy, and Like I can't think of anyone else that's in it, but like... Is it Ita? It's just really... Yes, Ita okay, there's your young guy. I was like, there's really no yeah. young guys. So Ita needs to be the main figure in that group as much as I love Kataro Suzuki. Well, there might um, be
0: there might be a change in March. You know? That's true. That's
1: true. Um
0: we'll talk about that one later.
1: Yeah. So what what do you think about all of these faction shakeups? Um Yeah. I have no
0: like it's so hard for me to keep it all in my head. Um, I'm kind of ignoring all of them <laughs> and just not paying attention to them. <laughs> the only one that I really, really remember is uh Funaki joining Congo after beating Keno because I thought that was so weird. Um and then uh, and then Aleha leaving, uh, just because Masky and also changed his name. So those are the only ones I can like actually remember in my head. Um but yeah, like I saw I've been seeing speculation like that like Nakajima might be leaving Congo maybe like he might be getting pushed out by like Funaki um and like in
1: real life no,
0: well, <laughs> no not in real life no not well actually maybe
1: in real, no, life. I, I in, in real life I know I know real life like
0: in the in the stories you know especially when you and like you know you were giving us this like uh theory of like well maybe go and Naka will have to team together to like take over like to like fight this like new guard of old guys um so that's like yeah I, i'm like, kind of paying attention to condo's drama and like not caring about any of the other drama
1: so i i want to talk about how because we're talking about juniors but real quick just because you talked about that um i i texted nikki one day just don't i was like um write down i want to talk about the glass ceiling it <laughs> begins to crumble yeah and <laughs> they're like Okay, and so <laughs> to to elaborate on that, since I have started watching Noah, the one thing that I have always noticed is the age of the main event scene. Right, um, you know, when I first got in, it was right before M's Alliance joined the company. So, you know, M's Alliance comes in, and all of a sudden, now you have Masato Tanaka, Masakatsu Funaki, Muto. Fucking, you add in Fujita as well, like some of these Sugiyurukun guys, Kendo Cashin, Um. Oh my God, who else? Miyamoto is not that old. I love Miyamoto. He is, uh, he gets the pass. But a lot of old guys, right? And from that point on, it really felt like there was no way, not even for the young guys like Yoshiki Inamura, Kidamiya, Kiyamiya, and even guys like Keno, who are 37, right? Yeah. Um, it's the equivalent of having, like, Okada and Naito doing jobs to fucking Nagata and Kojima. Yeah. And, like, imagine if Nakanishi came back and fucking, like, Osprey's just getting brutalized by him. Like, what the fuck? And I will say, in Noah's defense, a lot of these matches are really, really fucking good. Yeah. But the, the thing, thing is, like, it's not about them being able to penetrate the glass ceiling... But even being able to, like, get on a ladder to even climb to it, like, a lot of these guys just get killed. Mm -hmm. Um... And, you know, it's funny because at the beginning of this month, it felt like the young guys were starting to get, like, this really, like, intense fire, especially in Amura, um, to where it felt like this glass ceiling was beginning to crumble. Um, you know, the GHC tag title tournament was shaping up. Um... Nakajima is your heavyweight champion. Keno is your national champion. And I was like, I think it's going to start changing, you know? We could see an Inamura and Kitamiya tag team run. All this stuff. Like, finally, the glass ceiling is going to crumble. All the old guys who have been putting off doing jobs for these younger guys for so long will finally put them over. I have to eat those fucking words (laughs) so, so hard as we know that Fujita is now the GHC champion. And it really feels like these old guys were in know at first to be special attractions and to have just this plethora of dream matches, right? Masato Tanaka versus Masaaka Mochizuki, um, Fujita versus Shiozaki, Masakatsu Funaki versus katsuhiko Nakajima, like really, really cool shit, you know? Nak- uh, no, Tanaka versus Funaki, all this stuff, like just really, really awesome matches. And that helped Noah's business rise so much. Like Noah's really become this really cool place for these old guys to go and not just be washed up because 90% of them can still fucking go, in my opinion. Um, But now it's kind of the point where it feels like 2000s WCW where, okay, we needed these guys to come in and help us build the future, but now these guys just want this to be their company and they're not helping us build the future and now Nosawa's you know Avengers universe of hey I'm gonna book all these guys who I wanted to be friends with yeah. is starting to collapse on him I think this is a good point to you know discuss the backstage drama basically stating the intended plan was for Fujita to always win this um and then for Muto to win the national title and then for a double title match to take place at the Budokan in August. And it's like, what the fuck with Mudo going over and becoming GHC Heavyweight Champion for the second time in two years at the age of 60? Like, this isn't Big Japan. Let's not pretend that great Kajika has a fucking chance at, you know, beating Kota Sekafuda for the Big Japan Junior Weight Heavyweight Championship. Like, it's just like, that's like a joke, right? So... That's the thing. It's like okay, it's an attraction match, but these are serious, fucking bookings. Like this is serious fucking booking stuff. And my god, is it frustrating? Because I think now more than ever, um, you know what the story should become is Shizaki and Nakajima ta- teaming up again and saying, it's not about who is Noah. It's about the fact that we are Noah. You know, language is important. It's always I been I it. am so Noah. Much. And then Nakajima says it in in japanese so imagine them coming out and saying it in japanese and english at the same time and then defeating you know fujita and uh funaki or something like that funaki kicks you know nagujima to congo whatever but all of this backstage drama of you know people essentially refusing to do jobs muto um like refusing to put over kiyomiya three fucking times now like what's the point like obviously these guys have a purpose in terms of box office But it's gotten to a point where it's like, you know, like a company like WWE is business is good, but your hardcore fans will be driven off, right? And I don't feel, and I say this without a really deep understanding of what I'm about to say, but I don't think that Japanese companies like Noah and stuff like that have super casual fans. They're not, you know, broadcasting to 2 million people on a Friday night who just tune in typically because it's their habit. Like, Japanese wrestling is like, these are smaller companies in the grand scheme of things, you know. And so I don't think that there's, you know, I think that there's casual viewers for MUTO. I don't think that there's casual viewers for Noah. I think that there are casual viewers who come in for these old guys. But once these old guys are done, they're not going to reinvest them into Noah. And these old guys, they need to be having people invest into Noah, not putting themselves over. And now it's, like I said, it's reached that level of Bischoff, Hogan, Nash, Steiner, fucking 2000s WCW Ultimate Warrior, where, yes, they have the benefit of still having great matches. I thought Fujita versus Nakajima was a remarkable battle, I should (laughs) It was a remarkable war, you know, but it is short-sighted. It is, you know, detrimental and because Muto losing, or Shiozaki losing the title to Muto. Okay. Did I like it? No. Did it make sense to have Go lose then? No. But Go was fucking beat up. He needed to drop the title. But now you have the story of Muto. Okay. He won his triple crown. Congrats. That's awesome. Whatever. And now he can put over the future. But no, he does nothing. He has an awful fucking title reign. He drops to Fuji and it's not really celebratory. It's more of just like a, thank God he's the fucking title's not on him anymore. And Fuji had a good run. And then Nakajin was like, this is where the title needs to be. And now it's on Fujita, and it's like, fuck all, all over again. Um, So I don't know. That's my rant. <laughs> I apologize for rambling so much. Please jump in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add to this. Um, especially because, like, I've literally only been watching Noah for two months. Um, So, you know, I'm being a little naive where I'm hoping that, like, there are ways that you can take the, this, this, these backstage squabbles and, like, what they've been doing and turn it into something positive that can grow... The company and the business. If we they do take your idea and and team up Goshizaki and um and Kessi Nakajima. I literally wrote in my notes after I watched the Fujita the Fujita um uh Nakajima match. I literally wrote, "What does Naka do next? What about Go?" Like that was my first thought. It was like, "Okay, Fujita's a champion now. What are these two guys going to be doing?" And I think you yeah, know, and I mean, you have a scenario where they're like getting you know fed up with like. Go go can't fucking win a match. Uh, Nakajima seeing his like his uh stable being like taken over by the guy that like beat his the his other stablemate for like you let Funaki choke you out in two and a half minutes and then you let him join your fucking group. Like I can see Nakajima just being like, Fuck Congo, that's bullshit. I don't wanna be in this group of Funaki and go just like, you know, hitting like losing to to uh soya and then just being like i need i need help and like they they're both at this moment where like they need each other more than they need to be each other's opponents and yeah and, 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 and and like if nosawa does take us on that journey it's gonna be a phenomenal fucking story i'm totally cool with fujita um like dominating funaki dominating i'm even cool with um I mean, I'd even be cool with Muto coming back and winning the national championship, if our, like, end Endgame was Shiozaki and Nakajima above all at the end of this all. But like, I don't. I haven't been watching long enough. Um, I don't know like what the booking patterns are. I'm just seeing like the how upset people that have been watching this longer than me are, and it's making me a little concerned. But like you said, the matches are still good. So like, you know, the matches are still good. <laughs> I, I love the Fujita match, like against Nakajima. It's awesome. Like they uh they had like really cool, like really there was like some really smart like like details in that match where like you know Fujita is obviously what was he um was he a Pancrase guy or was he a Pride was it Pride that he fought in? Fujita, yeah, the Fujita. What was the Pride? pride? pride. He, did, he did Pride, yeah. Pride, so, like so you know he's you know he's like uh they were in the half guard a bunch they were doing MMA stuff i really enjoyed that like nakajima was like wa- like fu- like fujita would have naka in a hold and naka would like contort himself to a way where fujita's shoulders would get pinned down and then the ref would have to count um they did it like multiple times in this match and i thought that was like a really cool blend of you know um like the hard hitting um striking of like King's Road versus the like enokiism of like MMA light. <laughs> um how he was like using the MMA against Fujita to try and get like a sneaky win. I thought that was fucking cool as hell. Um and yeah like you know food like the way that match ended was like bullshit. That wasn't bullshit. Um I just there's no way like that was such a heel move to like haunt him Obviously, the match is already over. You have the you have the visual pin, but picking him up and giving him another powerbomb to like end it like that's such a dick heel move. And like, if you book that to be a babyface moment, like I understand like your mentality and like your worldview. Um, but if you're booking that to make Fujita this like monster fucking heel that's gonna have to be slayed by a babyface, then the story is gonna be awesome. I just don't know. I just don't know like which way it's gonna go. You know.
1: Yeah. Um and I was gonna add on to, you know, this whole Muto Fujita, old guys, new guys, and say I feel like what could be coolest here is almost going full on Dragon Gate and you know, there's so much faction fuckery as it is within Noah that and You know, going back to... This is such an ADHD podcast, I feel like I love it. Um, And... (laughs) Because this conversation started out of the Noah Jr. factions, and now here we are. Yeah. Um, But it's one of those things where, okay, are the faction shakeups part of some overarching plan, or is it, fuck, we need to throw shit at Wall and see what sticks? Yeah. And, you know, I think Noah, as much good as they do, they also know Sawa themselves a lot as well. And Dragon Gate 2020, their big thing was, you know, Torimon, Dragon Gate versus Red. It was like this generational war. And I think that you could pretty much, you know, retain factions, but collapse the company into like two sides, old and young. Like you really could do that at this point. Um, Because no matter what, every match, every story for the most part has that element to it of old guard versus new guard. And, you know, it's getting to the point where it's like, what what was it in WCW? The New Blood Rising the new or Blood. fucking...
0: New Blood Rising was the name yeah. of the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. Was, it was the uh, Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood.
1: Yes, dude. And Millionaire's Club is basically fucking M's Alliance. Like, yeah. Keiji Muto's Hogan. Yeah. is Kidman. Like, fuck off, man. Like, you're sixty. You were 60. People see people get scared when you climb to the top rope because they don't think that you could get hurt. They think that you could die because you're old and because you could get, you know, like it's not like, haha, I could get hurt. It's like, no, you could like become fucking severely injured. Like paralyzed, who knows? And I don't know. It's just gotten this to this point where it's like they need to capitalize on this obviously real heat because it sounds like the performers the younger ones are getting frustrated with this as well um or they could very well lose people like nakajima you know we've seen people from noah already defect kenta taiji ishimori right akiyama's not there anymore um there's a lot of people that were integral to noah that have left noah just like any other company in wrestling, though, that is not exclusive to Noah. But, you know, if you lose a Nakajima, if you lose a Go, a Keno, or um, a Kiyomiya, we've already seen how detrimental that can be to the company with the exodus of, you know, Go and Akiyama and them in the early 2010s. Like, you need to be able to hold the people that will actually, you know, make your company succeed in the long-term because, Katsuyuki Fujita, I don't think, cares about the legacy of pro wrestling Noah so much as himself. Yes, he signed full-time with Noah, but that's only after they gave him the GHC title. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, hey, I'll work for you, but only if you make me the CEO of your company. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, then you don't care about us. And it's just a lot of frustrations there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's... That's the that's the glass ceiling. That's the faction shakeup. That's yeah. that's Shizaki versus Sora. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fuck. All right. So w- one thing we one thing we totally just skipped over is a match that I saw people rave about that I watched and was not pressed by, and that was Kaito Kiyomiya versus Yoshinari Ogawa. Did you catch that match?
1: Yes, all forty beautiful minutes. I would love it. to hear why. Yeah, why you didn't enjoy it?
0: I just thought it was like it was so slow and plodding and like wasn't what i want out of like a a light heavyweight match uh i thought that like kaito works better um as the smaller person of the two than being bigger than ogawa i like i like kaito as like an under wrestler than an over wrestler um and you know like maybe if i was more familiar with ogawa like this was like my second ogawa match i've ever watched maybe then i like we'd be more familiar with his work and I would have better expect like different expectations going into it. But I, I, I saw people, you know, saying that this was like a four and a half star match and I watched it and I was like, I'm not even, I'm not even like putting this one in my notebook.
1: I don't get it. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't think it should ever about me having to like, you know, quote unquote, get a match. Um, You know, If you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. I don't think that means that you don't get it because um, you can tell a story the way that you want to tell a story, but it should be accessible um, to anyone in a way, right? Like, um, I don't know. But to me, I enjoy this match a lot. Um, You know, every sequence is a conversation in the sense that, okay, um, these two characters are having a physical conversation and the point of the conversation is to figure out how to damage the leg, right? So at the end of every conversation, it's like there's this one succinct movement. Um, maybe when you're talking to someone about trying to you know, land a business deal, that conversation ends with the shaking of a hand. Each one of these conversations ends with a super simple hold. And I thought each one was so well-placed So well calculated, and it was not a flashy match. It was super slow. Um, Admittedly, I love slow, long matches, so long as they aren't Jay White and Hiroshi Tanahashi. (laughs) Um, I hate that match so much. And um, to me, it just felt like one of those matches where you don't get this. I mean, it's on a random, what, day Forbes step forward, no other that, really big matches on the show. It wasn't, wasn't even,
0: even in Corkin.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't even the main event.
0: Like, yeah, it this was
1: just, event, yeah. your second from the top, but they let Ogawa and Kiyomiya go out there and wrestle for 40 minutes. And this is one of those things where it's like watching, um, you know, fucking two, Like, it's like watching Pippen and Jordan play one-on-one in the practice arena. And you're just like, oh my god. And it's like, one of those wrestlers for wrestlers moments where, again, not a single thing is wasted. It's like Al- the way that Alfred Hitchcock makes films. Every single thing has a purpose. I thought the action itself, while not immediately explosive, was super, super tight. Everything felt real. Everything felt justified. Um, it's just like, you know, sometimes for me, some of the best wrestling matches can just be really great, you know, not necessarily fights but performances of movement. And to me, this was a great story of movement. And that's why I really, really did enjoy it. And, you know, again, since I've been going through all of this early NOAA, and I'll actually send you the playlist, because I actually have, like, this running YouTube playlist now of all the available NOAA matches from the very first all the way up to modern day, so you can watch it in order. That's um, it's it's fun it's i like to watch things in order you know watch the stories develop always even if it's a filmmaker like um you know paul thomas anderson's first film is still in direct dialogue with his most recent and watching that meta-narrative grow and expand is always fun um but yeah i've already forgot what i was talking about so what's up (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah you know uh I just like, I think I got, you know, I've been, I was spoiled with like all these other Kaito matches that were just like high energy. And also like the, I'm watching Noah specifically to watch heavyweights beat the fuck out of each other. And so when I'm watching like a cruiser, a cruiserweight, like Matt, Matt work match, I'm just like, I'm not, this isn't why I'm watching this company. Like I have other wrestling, I have other companies that I watch for like to get that from it that I know everything, like, more intimately, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the go, the go Shiozaki versus Kano of of it all, not the Ogawa and Kaito on the mat for 30 minutes, you know, it just, it just didn't, it wasn't what I'm, what I'm looking for in Noah, so that's, I think that's why there was just a bit of a disconnect between, like, how I experienced that match, but, you know. Maybe in a couple of
1: years he'll go back and watch it and be like, "Damn, that fucking rocked." <laughs> no, that's that's totally fair. You know, to to go to DDT for comedy, you know Noah for this hard hitting shit. Like, have that buffet. Watch what you like. Yeah, There's no I mean, I'm shit getting,
0: like I'm getting, like, look, I'm getting Brian Danielson matches like two to three times a month on television. Uh, where in fifteen minutes he's doing everything that like, I want out of a match like Kaito versus Ogawa, but he's doing it like quicker because it's on TV, obviously, and with like this intensity that like I've never seen before because it's Brian fucking Danielson, and I just feel like I'm seeing, like the like the master work right now do that, and like I want when I'm not watching him do it, I want to be seeing other types of wrestling because like we're seeing someone that has perfected a style like give
1: us his opus right now (laughs) yes no I mean it's a clinic you know that's I that's always one of my favorite terms that gets thrown around when they're like oh so and so just put on a master class or a clinic and I'm like that's what makes me want to watch something um well speaking of non-hard-hitting Noah's style do you want to talk about how
0: Yeah, I I I don't know what this how is the house segment went. What 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 was this? Was this um? Oh, I mean, I just I just wanted to talk about. Was this when he left
1: Congo? Did he? I think we talked about that last. last Yeah, Yeah, we talked about that last month. That was the first affection. But um, I made it a point to watch every single one of his matches this month, and holy shit, he is the best junior right now, like in Japan in terms of in a strict junior division, because I'm not saying Dragon Gate. I'm saying if you look at All Japan, if you look at New Japan, there's no more enticing junior heavyweight right now than how. Like, this guy's intensity, and then the intensity and heat and passion and violence that he has immediately drawn out of others, specifically Neo, and these, you know, I don't even want to say matches, but altercations. They are explosive. Each one is so convincing of the, um, you know, presumed animosity that exists within these fights. And it's just fucking sick, man. I've really, really been liking it. Um, you know, you look at the newer junior, uh, new Japan junior heavyweight division. I genuinely do not even know who the junior champion is. Um, all I know is that the junior tags are master Wato and Taguchi. They're called like 69.
0: Yes. Um,
1: that's not a criticism, that's just what it is. And then I mean all Japan, it's like Sata's champ, cool. Uh, Shigi's cool, cool, but then it's like you don't really have a lot of other people that are at least taken seriously. Like there's not there's no other junior divisions that are having this many storylines to where they can have their own shows purely for the junior division. Um and right now it's like, you know, yes, the title is on Harada and he will be fighting um Iita, but it's more exciting because it's like you have this house storyline, and it's so fucking good. And basically, I just want to say, if you are not watching all of the how matches, I cannot recommend it enough. You know, every single one of these, like, it's one of those things. Uh, there are certain views where I really believe that all of the prelude matches are necessary, and this is one of those cases.
0: Cool. I'm, you know, you might have just talked me into watching how matches. So we'll see. We'll see what I do the rest of my Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: might, I might. I might dip my toes in. Um, all right, what's this? Um, art club program. What is this?
1: Okay, so art club was just recently announced. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you saw. I did. Um, I missed oh, it. once. I guess we. I mean, you just asked. I guess we. Yeah. Should have fucking said that. I mean, I was kind of um, saying it for the
0: podcast too,
1: but. <laughs> It is... One second. Um, Shoot. Trying to find this guy's name. I should have looked this up before, but he is the new wrestler that was just signed by Noah. Oh, I do um, know what
0: this is. And you know who's headed the ARC club? Fujita.
1: Yes. Yes. So it's essentially um, the NXT Performance Center. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But not, not, not in actually,
0: a bad way. It's actually not like the NXT Performance Center. It's more like what they're doing right now with um the was it NIL where um they're able to like sign college students to like sponsorships and then like you know presumably oh, yes, yes, yes. Pre- presumably those kids will eventually like work for WWE but like there's like no guarantee like there, there's no contract that states that they ever have to work for WWE ever. They're just getting money to be sponsored by them in this NIL program. So I think I think it's more. I think um, this Arc Club is like a combination of the two. Um, yeah. So I have um, I have Hazam Hazami's uh, tweet um, at hi5ame. If you don't follow Hazami um, on Twitter, really really good um, Twitter account for English, yes. English language pro wrestling no one news. So we got here, um, in a Tokyo sports article, Noah are looking for an ARC club, which will be for athletes who want to enter pro wrestling, but may not have a background in wrestling itself. Noah plan for Fujita to oversee it. Um, And we do have a photo of the first person who is signed with them, but um, I'm... I a little bit of difficulty finding the name of that person right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's um he's an Olympic athlete. He's yes. been trained by Segura and Fujita, like quote unquote secretly for a while. And I, I want to step back real quick, you know, before I say it, I doubt Fujita cares about Noah. And that's not fair to say. I, I feel like that was, you know, a mean um uh over Whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. However, I will still completely reinforce that I do not give a fuck about Mudo, and I feel like Mudo only gives a fuck about himself. But Fujita doing something like this, you know, it's for the betterment of wrestling. Japan is the place where non-wrestlers, I think, really thrive because it's really just about the work rate. And when you're able to like really just focus on the you know, in ring elements as opposed to this character stuff which could come in turn, like, you know, the Saito Brothers in all Japan, um all these people they translate I mean, this very, is... very well. I mean the thing
0: it... is this is uh this is historical, right? Um when you go back and you look at the earliest um uh, Tokyo Dome shows that um that ever happened, um I believe I bel I might be wrong about this, I might be wrong about the company, but I believe the first New Japan Uh, pro wrestling Tokyo Dome Show or the second one that had a sub theme of Russian Olympians versus the New Japan professional wrestlers and they like brought these Russian Olympians in that you know were like uh, Olympic wrestlers and Maybe maybe other martial arts, but definitely Olympic wrestlers and brought them in to train them for like two months and then had the Tokyo Dome Show and it went like not awful and it's also where we got the um, inspiration for the character Zangief in Street Fighter was um, one of the wrestlers on that show. So this is something that literally goes back to the very beginning of Japanese wrestling is bringing in foreign foreigners that are athletes, training them, putting them on shows. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm all for it. And um, Noah is a company where. Like all Japan and NOA are really, really good companies for this, simply because New Japan has a very, very you know New Japanish work rate, constant counters, fast paced motion like that is not easy to pick up. But for this striking and like for the emphasis on striking mm-hmm. and grappling and yeah. mat work in NOAA, and then the same with All Japan right with the Kingsworth style, since they are less flashy more practical, more sensical, those are styles that I think these non-wrestling athletes are able to really adapt to far quicker. Um and when I say non-wrestling, just non-pro wrestling, right. you know. Um exciting
0: this guy's name is Ab Abit Haroon. He speaks Japanese, cool. Hindi and English. And he's training um he's Pakistani and he's training to um to compete in the Paris Olympics right now.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's great to have someone like that on your team. Uh, you know, hopefully he does a lot better than Anthony Agogo. And uh yeah. Poor so oh, in terms, man, of, I, in terms so, of
0: Olympians. Just to speak on Agogo just really, really quick. I was always under the impression that his eye issues were like genetic and he was like getting all these surgeries to help his eye because he had like a defect. But it actually all stemmed from a Fucking boxing match that he had, where his um, his orbital bone got broken in such a way that like his eyes fucked forever, and he just has to constantly get surgeries on it.
1: Dude, that's fucking insane.
0: Yeah, that's like that's why he like the. You know how he's like been gone, was like off TV for like a long time, and now he's back. is because he had to get another surgery, and I really thought that it was just like you know. Something that, like, he has had to deal with his whole life, but no, it was from a fucking boxing match. So, I give, like, once I learned that about Gogo, I've been giving him, like, a little bit more, like, leeway in, like, how slow he is to, let how slow he is on the come-up right now, because, like, <sighs> he's had over eight surgeries on his eye in, like, ten years. That's horrific.
1: <laughs> That's insane.
0: Yeah, anyway that's that was my little my little uh go uh defense <laughs> um so quickly cuz like yeah we've been talking for a while now and we have like a little bit more to go um so quickly um muto's injured he uh he injured his hip he is out for probably 6 months um and the gsc huh
1: what would you say just saying, "Oh, I wonder how." Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. As uh, they said, he hurt, he injured his knee, his hips because uh his knees were still fucked, and he was like, "Yeah, he had his hips were like taking more of the pressure than his knees like normally would," and then they fucked up his hips. Um, he thinks he's gonna be back in six months and is gonna win the national title if he can walk, he will. Um, but if he can't walk, who knows what's gonna happen? Um, but with that, the GHC Tag Title, Heavyweight Tag Titles that he had with Marfuji have been vacated. And next month there's going to be a mini tag tournament, which we're going to talk about in our segment after this. But I just want to get in that quick like Muto's injured; he's gonna be gone for a while. Um, the other, the other piece of news was Hajima Ohara is outed as being part of an abusive sex cult. I kind of saw this on Twitter a little bit, and I like honestly, I had never even heard of Ohara before. I hadn't seen any of his matches. I didn't even know he was part of Noah until this news came out. So, like, what the fuck is going on here?
1: Yeah, so he was um, Twitter user Deadbeat uh you know Deadbeat Jom. Uh, they linked to this article, um, basically about how Hajime Ohara. Um, he is a serial woman abuser, but was also part of a woman abusing cult called the Roma Sophie cult. Um, so, you know, Ohara was, I thought one of the most compelling, um, performers in the junior division. Like if I really had to sit down and make a list for myself, you know, it'd be Ohara, How. Uh, Harada, Katoge, Seki Yoshioka, and, like, that that's my squad right there. So this was, you know, just a harrowing, harrowing reveal. Um, fucking, you know, just terrifying. The fact that, obviously, that this seems to be common knowledge and has been for a while and that Noah seemingly does not care about it and, you know, More than anything, you would like a statement on it. But in these situations, that's probably the last thing you'll get in. No change will be made. But all we can hope for is that something will be done about it. And, yeah, just, like, really, really fucking jarring. And now it's one of those things, you know, where it's like, you know, it's there's the whole argument to be made about separating art from the artist. And, you know there are varying levels to that and when it comes to abuse it's incredibly hard right like that's not something that i am typically able to separate and especially when you are watching someone who is known for being abusive especially on a physical level fight in a combat sport it's like this isn't enjoyable and it makes me uncomfortable and now that you know o'hara has become such a uh, has been spotlighted on the in the division right now with this switch and has become a huge, you know, uh, point in this house storyline, it, it's really fucking sad. And, mm-hmm. you know, you always want your favorites and people that you love, or I should say people, companies, and, you know, any story, film, whatever, you know, you want them to do better. Um, will they? Probably not. You know, wrestling as a whole is as regressive as it is progressive if not a whole lot more regressive at times. So it's, it's a fucking shame and, you know, more than anything, it's, we are Noah podcast, but you know, just because you love it, that also means holding it accountable. And, you know, unfortunately, I think it's one of those things where if a bunch of us start tweeting at Noah, I don't see how that's going to change anything. And, you know, just hope something happens and the right thing is fucking done.
0: So, I, I agree. I, I would yeah. be remiss to say, um, you did quote a brand new record earlier this time. So I think, uh, you know, um, Jesse Lacey has done some fucked up things in his life too.
1: Um, no, exactly. Exactly. And like, it's just, it all sucks. Yeah, it does. So. But you know what? <laughs> um, we're going
0: to end, we're going to end the, uh, February voyage on a bit of a downer now, but, uh, we're going to be back in a couple minutes uh, to talk about the March Outlook and also a little sneak preview of what my personal live wrestling is. Um Welcome back uh this is gonna be our uh our march outlook um for next month in noah but before that um personally uh, the first weekend of march i live in the horrifying state of florida and because i live in this this terrifying place i get to go to aew rampage and aew revolution uh this coming weekend the first weekend of march um I was able to get these, like, combo tickets for both Rampage and Revolution. And um, I got an insanely good deal on them. I was, like, really surprised at how cheap my tickets were. And then uh, I got them on the presale. And then a couple, like, hours later, WrestleTix tweeted that they were hearing that there were some anomalies in the pricing structure on the combo tickets. And then, like, 30 minutes later, like, combo tickets are down. So, uh, yeah, I ended up paying... Uh, I'm sitting in section 102, which is the lower level, and it's literally right in front of the entranceway. Like, I'm going to be staring at the entranceway the whole show. It's, like, right in the middle. I'm sitting in the 11th row, um, and uh, for both Rampage and Revolution, and the combined, everything was, like, $130. I can't believe I got that deal. shit. Yeah, they fucked up the pricing, and I just, like, swooped in, like, got this amazing deal. So I'm going to rampage. I'm going to revolution. Um, the um, the revolution card as of today looks outrageous. Um, like the MJF CM Punk dog collar match is going to be fucking in- amazing. Um, the main event Adam the the battle of supremacy of Adams Adam versus Adam is going to be so fucking cool. Um, you know, we also got the, uh, we got Eddie Kingston versus, uh, Chris Jericho, which, like, they talked me into that match this week. The Eddie Kingston promo was so funny. Like, the, like, there's a point where Chris Jericho, like, tried to, like, be meta and said that he, he told Eddie he was gonna be a big babyface. And just, like, Eddie ad-libbed, what's a babyface? Fucking love... How he just keeps up kayfabe like that. It's so great. Um, I think the triple threat uh, tag match is going to be awesome. Um, you know, I think that Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker is going to be great. And, like, getting to see Thunder Rosa win the title is going to be fucking awesome. Um, I'm just so excited for Revolution. And I am keeping my fingers crossed that we get a hook match on Rampage. I really It really feels like they're building up to Hook versus QT on Rampage and I will cry so many tears if that match happens. <laughs> and I'm there <laughs> for it. Um and and you know, I haven't made the I haven't made a decision yet. Speaking of separating the art from the artists, I haven't made the decision yet if I'm gonna go to it or not. But the day in between Rampage and Revolution is the first ever live control your narrative show. And <laughs> I just want to read for anyone that has not, uh, for anyone that has not seen like what is going on with control your narrative or like anything about it. I just want to read this warning message that control your narrative, um, the promotion put out. Okay. Warning. The narrative content is created for a mature and astute audience. What you will see here are the depictions in propaganda format. Of those taking back control, fighting for freedom, and finding purpose, the narrative stories are told within the reality of those featured. The following is not intended for children, weak minds, or those easily offended. Viewer discretion is advised. That sounds like the funniest wrestling promotion of all time. I can't believe that they put in propaganda format.
1: What does that mean? Is... I just can't believe that this shit is real and it's gonna be happening in Orlando while I'm there? Did you see the the fake? <laughs> it was like the fake thing that was making the rounds on Reddit, where it was like the Donald Trump may be an investor in the project, oh. and then it was like it Man, will don't... feature um it'll feature heavily canceled talent, <laughs> yeah. um or it's like it's like it will feature canceled talent in a prominent role, however. They um, have been very clear that they will that they have banned Teddy Hart, like someone else, Court Bauer, Bauer, and Waterdale. <laughs> <Like, laughs> it's so fucking it's funny. so funny. Yeah, I mean, that's something where it's like you know, attending the event could be like one of those weird wrestling facts. Like, right. oh, I was at this event because it's like you know, you could attend the first and potentially. Only ever control your narrative show. That could be huge.
0: I I went. I was at the last uh, DG USA show. I was at the last one where like none of the Japanese wrestlers got visas, so none of them came over. They put the card together at the last minute. Teddy Hart showed up. It was a disaster. They were literally save the show chance at it. And by the end of the show, the company dissolved. And I got to experience that. You know, that's like as good. As having been to WrestleMania 30. Like, I hold both of those things in, like, equal regard, you know? (laughs) So, like, I kind of want to, you know, it, like, sucks that, like, I would be giving fucking Braun Strowman my $25 to go to the show. But at the same time, it could be, like, potentially the funniest wrestling show I've been to. And I've been to the last DGUSA show. So, like, I think it's worth. it might be worth it. (laughs)
1: Oh my, do you have any thoughts on 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 the Revolution card at all? Uh, I mean, it looks like probably the best AEW card on paper so far because it, it'll be what it's uh, um shit face of the Revolution match, just like yep. Haas is throwing around little men. Yep. Um, Punk.
0: P- punk and MJF.
1: MJ uh, uh, Page Cole. Uh, Brian Moxley, oh, yeah, Bucks, Brian Moxley. Red Dragon, Jurassic Expe- Express, uh Britt Thunderosa, Jade Ty.
0: And then the, the your titles like the AHFO like uh uh
1: tornado trio yeah, threat. I think Or Tornado Trios. What I was hoping that they would do for that is like announce a trio's title. They need to announce a trio's title. Um, it feels like that Hardy family match might be there to set up Jeff. Like, it is. I just don't like, understand what's gonna that, happen. Like, and the, like
0: what's gonna happen? Like, it's very easy to book this match. Like, what's definitely gonna happen is like Isaiah is gonna do something in the match that's gonna piss Matt off, and then Matt's gonna just leave in the middle of the match, and they're gonna just like redo the like Jeff Hardy uh, leaving the house show. They're just gonna redo it. That's what's gonna happen. I believe Jeff Hardy was in a. a trios match when that happened too so i think they're just going to recreate that and then we get jeff in a couple weeks and we like the and then like matt's going to get voted out of the ahfo or something like that because the prior party is going to side with andrade and stuff but i think like that match like is going to be very heavily story driven but also like i just want to see sting live i only care about seeing sting i don't care about anyone else in that match i just want to see sting live yeah, you know it's I mean. just
1: it's weird that it's weird that a match that has, you know, I I really do not care for Sammy or Darbert Darby. As Darbert. Darbert. I mean, might as well call Darby Darbert, you know, it's human beings. In yeah, uh, the we, slightest. Like We say we always say we always think you know, Darby Allen the character. <laughs> I I do not care for these people. Um, but it's weird that a match that features Sammy, Darby, Andrade, Sting, and Matt Hardy is your QT versus you know, big show match of the card. Like yeah. it's just an absolute fucking nothing match. There are no stakes. Unless yeah. Hardy shows up during this match, I don't he see can't. a purpose for it for being yeah, for enough, being on a pay-per-view. See, so then in that case, I'm like, what's the purpose of putting this on pay per view as opposed to on television? Yeah, it's just a because it's just to
0: be to cool. It's gonna be weird because like it's gonna be to. It's not to cool down though because it's sting. Like sting is there to pop the the live audience, so like it's not even a cool down. Yeah. And... So I don't know. But it's I mean, weird. you could.
1: It's one of those things, then, where you could do Darby. And Sammy versus like I don't know. There's so many other things you could do. Like yeah, I we all know say why Isaiah Cassidy
0: is there. A triple threat would have been cool, but like, also like having like Matt Hardy not be in the match and have uh, Mark Quinn in there would have been cool. Um, but like I don't know. I don't know. That's that's like the one spot on the on the card. Then like whatever about. But like also you need that on it because the show to be five hours anyway. So. Yeah. I think they still have like probably yeah, three. I think, they, I think they probably still have like three more matches to announce. We'll see what happens, but uh, don't want this to like turn into like an AW podcast. I'm sorry, everybody. No, no um, worries.
1: Um, so, what's might, upcoming for Noah? And, oh wait. Also, I just want to say I
0: might do like in a a recap of my weekend, like afterwards, if it's like outrageous enough, and put it on the feed, even though it's not going to be about Noah at all. I might just do like an emergency. Um, revolution episode so maybe solo maybe if you want to you do it well we'll talk about that later but i'd love to all right so the big show that noah has in march is march 13th uh in Yokohama. and do you want to do you want to go down the card and maybe give us uh, some of your thoughts
1: yeah um so is this what i see right here in the document right now yes it is all right, so yeah, Yuntami Iwaki versus Kenya Okada, always a good time. Um, love young boys. Some Most of the young boys work better than the old boys. Uh, the tag <laughs> tournament, uh, Marafuji and Mochizuki versus Kaito and Inaba. Fun. Um, this should be good. Again, it's like I need to see what people saw in Daiki Inaba when he was in Wrestle 1, but Noah, I need to see that. His N1 run was whatever. Um, You know, there's a lot of times where I genuinely forget that he is there. Uh, Marafuji and Mochizuki teaming's fun. I like that. Funaki and Keno versus Sugira And the returning Hideki Suzuki, finally. This is a dream match for me. I mean, to have Funaki and Suzuki, Keno and Sugiura, like, this is just going to be... I mean, I haven't seen Hideki Suzuki wrestle in like, what, two years? Something like that since he's been dead in WWE. So not only are you getting that homecoming, it's, you know, in an in absolutely insane level. Uh, I hope that this is your main event of the night. Um, even you though, I mean, it'll, it. I mean, yeah, it'll probably be Mauro Fuji and Mochizuki versus Sugira and his Suzuki. But I think that this, I guess what I should have said is, this should have been your main event <laughs> yeah. finals for the night. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Hayata, Ogawa, Yano versus Tadisuke, Ohara, and uh, just faction warfare. Um, you know, I'll skip that. I'm skipping that. I will also, yeah, I'll also skip uh, Katoge, Howe, and Alejandro versus Nosawa, Super Crazy, and Hidaka. Uh, Yohei versus uh, Kataro Suzuki. Again, I'm not a big Yohei guy. I like Kataro Suzuki, but some of the... Junior singles matches don't always draw me in. However, I will say that typically on a card like this, it's not going to go over 10 minutes, I would usually say. So might be worth checking out nonetheless. Shizaki versus Soya we've talked about. Should be a really, really good match. Hoping that they're really able to pull it off. Uh, Fujita, Sakuraba, Kendo Kashin versus Tanaka, Kedemiya, and Inamura. Uh, Weird that Tanaka's teaming with Kitamura and, in- or and Inamura and not the other M's Alliance guys. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say that's because in a match with Fujita, Sakuraba, Kashin, you know, Tanaka, Marafuji, and Mochizuki, no one's going to fucking agree to do the job there. <laughs> yep. So, yep. but then it's like, why do young boys have to be featured in these old guy feuds just so that they can take the, the fucking pinfall, so if the old guys can, you know, whatever, and that's frustrating. Um, yeah. You know, that's why should watch should matches. You know, the the feud should be Inamura versus Kid and Mio with Fujita and Tanaka supplementing them. But hey, whatever. Um, and that's not to discount the old guys; like they can still fucking go. I love them. Like I gave, like I said, Fujita and Nakajima four and a half stars. I thought it was such a great war, but you know. Um, and then we have Daisuke Harada versus uh, Iita. First time singles matchup. I think this should be good. I'm really hoping for um, Iita the wrestler, not the red faction leader here. I'm really happy that red split up to zebrats forever and Dragon Gate. If you're not watching Dragon Gate, Nikki, you got to check it out. Yeah, it's um, like on fire it, right now. So good. And then the tag finals uh yeah then our final point will ninja kamikaze no, 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 back and here hold on, hold on, hold on, oh I sorry on,
0: sorry I, I wanted to talk about daisuke harada versus ita for a second um yeah so like i i've i haven't seen any daisuke harada at all yet i've not seen one one match of his however um i i did get to see ita um on his excursion so when when ita was um was a, a young boy in dragon gate um his excursion was him and uh, Tomahawk TT a- aka T-Hawk um, they went to Mexico for their excursion and um, there was um, a weekend where like some sh- something got fucked up with like the Evolve cards and Gabe needed a favor and so Shima um, let uh, Ita and T-Hawk come over and work that weekend of Evolve shows and they happened to be in Florida so there's um, this is a very, very underrated match that I just wanted to like put out there. It only this this whole show itself only has three votes on cage match. And this match I'm about to talk about has zero votes on cage match. And it's um, evolve twenty-two, Gargano versus Del Sol. And, first of all, that match is insane. If you've never seen Johnny Gargano versus Samurai Del Sol from Evolve 22, Giant uh, Gargano turns heel in this match, and it's out-fucking-rageous. He is, like, so sadistic and evil. It's awesome. But the main event was the Young Bucks versus Ita and Tomahawk TT. And they fought all around this fucking venue. They 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 even had uh, the Bucks did, um I believe it was the Bucks did a moonsault off of the balcony of of uh, the Orpheum down to the floor, like, right in front of my face. Um, and I, I was like, Ita and, and Tomahawk TT are gonna be, like, these massive super fucking stars. Forgetting that, like, no one in the West, or, yeah, no one in the West watches Dragon Gate, so I never hear anything about... Obviously, T-Hawk ended up leaving and, like, was is in strong hearts and everything, but, like, I never hear anything about these guys like ever anymore and it's a bummer because in 2013 as young boys on excursion they put on this like ins- one of the most insane matches I've ever seen live that apparently no one's fucking watched. So like strictly based on that I'm excited for Ito versus Harada. <laughs>
1: yeah, um and if you need a primer for Harada go back and watch his match with Seki Yoshioka from the twenty twenty one Budokan show that had Shizaki and Muto. Cool. That is a perfect match for both guys. Um yeah, it should be really, really good. Harada is, you know, the best junior champion in Noah's division. So I'm happy he's the champ. I think Ita can bring some fresh life into it. Um and yeah, I think I think Ninja Mac will appear soon, hopefully. Yeah,
0: I think he will too. That was just kind of like a like a rib, you know, like is Ninja Mac ever showing up. Um I think like they've like like, I think, like, I've seen, like, the like NOAA Twitter accounts, like, talk about, like, you know, it's because of COVID and all this stuff. The COVID restrictions are 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 lessening a lot in Japan, so I'm hoping Ninja Mac gets, like, gets his chance to go over there. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but from this weekend, he wrestled Mike Bailey in, like, a match that everyone I've talked to is just raving about. Um. So, and and, and I'm gonna check that out after. And I really think he's this guy who like he's new to wrestling. He does he didn't have a background in it. And like those people, like we've been like we had been talking about this entire episode. Those people who like are very athletic and then like take to like parts of wrestling quickly, but like don't put it all together. Like going on tours in Japan is like the make or break moment for you. Like you're gonna either get it or it's gonna beat you down and you're gonna hate it. And I really hope that, like, this experience for Ninja Mac is going to be everything clicking together for him and him, like, really understanding how to put matches together. Because, like, that combined with his his athleticism and his, like, risk-taking, if he can just figure out how to put matches together, um, he's going to be a monster. He'll be a Monster Mac instead of a Ninja Mac.
1: I think Monster Mac was a wrestler at one point, but... No, you, you absolutely nailed it. Um, you know, I think he has the opportunity to, as you said, he has the athleticism. He has the absolute freak nature, courage to do anything. Um, he just needs to be able to connect those dots. I think, you know, a Japanese excursion will absolutely do that. And once he's able to do all that, I mean, he has high Abusa level babyface potential in terms of like an extreme high flyer. So it'll be very, very exciting to see what happens. And, yeah, it's another great voyage with you, Nikki.
0: Yes, this is good. And uh, maybe maybe we'll talk next week, um, emergency pod, about revolution. And if not, we'll, I'll talk to you at the end of March, and we're going to see um, what everything looks like then, because it seems like month to month, the entire world of NOAA gets flipped completely upside down.
1: Hell yeah, I can't wait to chat. Yeah, I'll talk to you after our revolution next week. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. Oh.